The, uh, the beautiful thing about what the Saints Network is, is that for those who are committed to walking in the pathway that God has jointly given to us, there's a lot of spiritual meat out there that is, is a great blessing. And um, from time to time, something is directed to me that I know that the Lord wants me to act on. And um, that's how this uh, message that we're going to share together was inspired. You know, I, I'm so grateful that over the years, God has continually given us insights from his word. And we've not had to go out and search for the opinions of others to formulate the doctrine, the doctrinal positions from the scripture. And we bless other people, but God, if, if God's really given somebody an apostolic calling, that by virtue of the name is, is going to come directly from the throne. I remember one time we were in France and the guy that was hosting us, um, he, he was supposed to be bringing a message that morning and he, he was a little late coming out because he was reading, finishing reading a book that some other guy had written and that's where he was getting his message from. And so the worship team kept going on and on and it, finally he came out and he told he said this is what I was doing and I kind of scratched my head because I thought, Man, if you need to if you need to get your message from somebody else's book, you know, you just pass the book out to the people and let them stay at home and read it, you know? And I, I I'm an avid reader. I appreciate reading, but for whatever whatever we bring to you, I want to make sure that I've done my best to be before God to hear what He's saying. And um, God's always been faithful to that. But this past week, um, I got a word from Sister Dion in, uh, in Tampa. And she, in the midst of what she wrote me, she was talking about um, this word that we're going to be looking at today and was asking if, if I had ever written on it. And... Um, I acknowledged that I had not written on it, and that was for a reason. But I, as I looked at what she asked, I thought, this is, this is a word for us in this season, coming from a, a very precious church and uh, from a very dear lady who is, um, who's a, who's a serious student. And this word, olem, is uh, an Old Testament word that's used well over 400 times in the Old Testament. And it, it, is, it is translated as everlasting and ancient, and it, um, it means a very long time with no conceivable end that can be perceived with the eye, too far to see the end of it. It means hidden or concealed behind a veil, which is kind of interesting. And um, it is usually used in those 439 plus times as a descriptive. Some have, um, have spoken that this is a name of God because it's connected with Elohim. And it actually says Olam El in just a few scriptures. And, but, but the thing that's interesting is that several times more than that, it's directly linked to Yahweh. 
And it's also used to describe the covenant and the covenant of salt we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Ordinances, inheritance, memorials, feasts, his mercy, the house of the Lord, everlasting doors, light, the name, and a host of other things. And the essence of this is that God is everlasting. He's, he's eternal. And uh, what that means is not just that he's the same yesterday and today and forever, which he is, but it means that what God has for us is always going to be um, in line with what he has been and will continually be a, a fresh stream of revelation, like going behind the veil. Uh, and um, uh, it's, it's going to be contiguous. It's going to be certain and secure. And God, only God with his timelessness can, can manage such a thing. So it is good that there are many, many times in the Old Testament where this descriptive is used of God because that's the foundational essence of eternity. But the everlasting God is not shaken by what's happen, happening temporally. In other words, he's not shaken by um, something that happens that we didn't see coming. Uh, he's not shaken by climactic events. He's not shaken by plagues or pestilences. He's not shaken by uh, up, upheavals in, in nations. Uh, he watches it, but he's based in the everlasting nature of who he is. And if, if we hold on to that, and as we hold on to that, we can always know that built into his everlasting nature is the continuing measure of the veil being parted. Now, we recognize that the veil in the, in the Holy of Holies was rent in two from top to bottom at uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. To me, that in this way represents an invitation to us to participate in this ongoing revelatory process of partnering with God. And um, I, I'm so grateful today that as I perused these hundreds of passages over the past few days, uh, that there's, there's a number of things we're going to mention, but then there's one predominant theme that the Spirit just ignited within me, and we'll look at that in just a couple of minutes. But just picking, you can imagine, out of that many verses, it... it um, there are a lot of really stem winder verses that I could have picked out and put on here. I mean, if you're talking about almost 500 verses of Scripture, we could have, I mean, that's, that's, that's even too much for Mark Burke to preach in one sermon. And, and incidentally, I said that because Mark, I guess, taught Sunday school and preached for Pastor Larry's church this morning. Can you imagine such a thing? And we bless him in that. We love Mark. But I, I wanted to start by this passage in Jeremiah 31, verse 3. Yahweh appeared of old unto me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness I have, have I drawn you. This love here in the Old Testament, Ahabah, which 
means to really have a passionate <clears throat> pursuit to, to, to go after with all the energies and the <clears throat> emotions and the capacities that you have. God has pledged his love to us <clears throat> in this stream of eternity, in this stream of ongoing revelation. And, and I, I think it's really interesting, too, that when Jesus said, upon this rock I'll build my church and the, and the hidden gates will not prevail against you, um, we're, we're going to see that here in just a couple of minutes, that part of our discovering the hidden places in God is, is aligned with his desire for partnership and the journey and sharing love with us so that we as sons might discover with him. That's, that's a wonderful thing. It, it's just wonderful. So Jeremiah, um, that weeping prophet, speaks about God having loved him with an, an olam ahaba, and I think that's wonderful. Let's look at a passage, one of the passages that speaks about Elohim. Isaiah 40, verse 28. Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard that the olam el, Yahweh, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint, neither is worthy, uh, weary. There is no searching of his understanding. The everlasting Elohim. I love that. The ever, here it is with love again. The everlasting one who has a plan for you, but the way he's going to reveal that plan is for you to draw near to him and know him in his heart. That's an everlasting thing. And the everlasting part of it, I'm going to keep hitting this because I want it to sink down in you. It's not just that it is uh, interminable. It's not just that it goes on forever. It, it goes on in such a way that is replete with discovery. Discovery after discovery after discovery. The parting of the veil. The, the, the separating of the things that we don't see right now. But on the pathway, God continually has something new. And I would say that whenever we, we encounter a season of transition, and boy, wasn't God right about that when he told us the past year and a half, you're entering into transition. The beginning of this year, he said, what's going to happen during this year of wisdom is going to change you in a way that's going to be at least equal to what happened when we first were changed. And we, we have to know, though, that this is not a death sentence. This is not a despairing thing. Remember what we said before? When God says he's going to do anything, what does the enemy always do? He comes in one way. Or he tries to block. He tries to hinder through an unclean spirit. Or he tries to twist. He tries to twist what God is really wanting to do. And so uh, when, when I see what God has said, and we see all of these things that are really causing people's hearts to be in turmoil, um, you have to know that this is just an indication of the enemy trying to do something to stop what God wants. And in God's timetable, in God's partnership with you, there is something beyond the veil of discovery that we're going to see that we still don't see. And I think that is incredible. And so I've been watching, you know, various things that, that 
are prominently being displayed around this nation and other nations. And I'm looking to say, okay, what is this saying and what is it trying to block? What is this saying? What is it demonstrating about the enemy's intent? But what is it trying to stop from happening? And so often when the enemy comes in in a specific way, he's trying to block the seven ways of God's, of God's purpose. And so if the enemy comes in in one way, you can look at the characteristics of how he's coming, and we ought to prophetically be declaring, okay, what's he trying to stop here? What are the characteristics of his blockage? And what should we be declaring past him to welcome in the ways of God? And you see all these kinds of things. You know, you see, um, you see uh, hundreds and hundreds of people laying on their face in public squares. Well, you can see that in the book of Revelation. That's what the beast, every time 666 is mentioned, it also says that right there, that they don't take the mark of the beast, which is 666, and lay on their face. So you see that. And I know why it's happening. I know, I don't need to go back through the thing, but the enemy is really working his ground. So when I see that, I say, God searches for people all over the world to lay on their face before him, according to John 4. And I speak that regardless of the noble efforts some of these are trying to do in protesting uh, the, the, the egregious death of someone, I declare that thousands of people will be on their face before God and that the Father will, will draw them during this unusual time. Uh, if I, and I do this with every other thing that I see, um, that, that I think, this is, this is orchestrated. It's, it's, you know, you can't tell me that, that there's not a bigger force at hand for people in Philadelphia and in San Francisco to be doing the same thing at the same time. Now, I know the internet and I know all those things, but it's, it's like it's an orchestrated demonstration, and I think that I think that through all this time, God's going to do some incredible things. I do believe that there's going to be positive reform. I do believe that there's going to be a light breaking through. I do believe that God is stirring up uh, not just the African-American community, but, but those who are believers in all, all of, the, of the various people groups that form this e pluribus unum here in the United States. And, and I'm, I'm believing that somehow the church is going to rise up and really become a voice for God. And so I'm laying claim to that. I'm declaring that. And yeah, you know, I see things happen that, that I think, yeah, that shouldn't be happening. Um, and the enemy always tries to divert from the real message. Um, there are things God wants to do in this country, and he's going to do them. But in a broader sense, the eternal God says, this is what I have ordained for men and women from the foundation of the world. This thing, this thing, this thing, this thing. And, and we as Pneumatikos people can understand certain signs and we understand certain physical demonstrations and we, we understand certain things that the Bible describes that we're seeing happen and the people that are doing them don't recognize what they mean. 
which is typically what the enemy wants to do. But I'm, I'm not going to let the enemy hijack what God is really wanting. And we need to prophetically, as intercessors, we need to be declaring what God is wanting to do. And, and it's, it's simple to see if you look past the things that are, uh, that are baffling and if you look past the things that are irritating, if you look past the things that you think are just ignorant, it's simple to see, okay, this is what God's word says. This is what the enemy's trying to do. This is what people who don't know what they're doing are doing. And this is what we need to be declaring. God's taking you as intercessors into a new dimension of being a prophetic people. And you need to embrace it. And you need to know that the everlasting God foresaw this long, long ago. Before you were born, God knew this was going to be happening right now. And we have the choice of either partnering with God and believing for not only what we haven't seen or, or had enter into our mind, but the things that our eye has not seen, our ear has not heard, and neither have we thought of. We need to believe for those things. There's a great move of the Spirit coming, and it's already beginning, and the enemy's not going to stop it. And, and God is going to do some things that are going to be absolutely amazing and delight us all. Yahweh, in um, Isaiah 26, 4, Trust in the Lord, Yahweh, forever, for Yah, Yahweh, is Olam, and strength there is that our friend Sur, which is a rock. A strong rock. So Yahweh is called this olam upon a rock. We're built on a foundation. We're building on a foundation that shall not be moved. And, and it is a wonderful thing. Look at uh, this one. 1 Chronicles 29.10 Wherefore David blessed Yahweh before all the congregation. And David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Here he, he lays it all out. Yahweh Elohim, he speaks about the people of God. He speaks about Ab, which is that father, the beginning part, which is where we get Abba. And then a double issues of Olam, Olam. That's great. That is great. We are moving with our Father. We're moving with things that are eternally rooted and based. We're not being blown about by every wind of doctrine. We should never say, oh, God, it's just too much. We're rooted. We're, we're, we're on the solid rock. And his, his everlasting promise in that is that he has it all in control, and there's something that he's going to reveal. It's part of the word that we've not seen yet. See, you cannot separate the everlasting nature of Olam from the, the, the veil that's being opened to be seen. What has been, uh, what has been uh, hidden is now being seen. I love that. I love that. Look at uh, Psalm 106, verse 48. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from Olam to Olam. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye Yahweh. I love that. So no matter what happens, God is in control. We've recently gone through a time where we said, not only is this transition, but it's like 
as if God has turned the page in his eternal timetable. And things are new. And we need to sow into that. And at the very time that was happening, you could feel enemy influences that Satan has kept in reserve to this time to try to stop and to block and to take advantage of the, the moving of, of the Spirit. You say, well, you keep focusing on the enemy. No, I'm just focusing on what the Word says. I mean, how many times did we see Jesus do something and in the very next verse, it says there was an unclean spirit there to try to block it. Or there was, uh, you know, he's healing somebody over here, and there's an unclean spirit over here who's rising up saying, we don't want to have anything to do with you. Or he's coming across the waters, and a storm rises, and God preserves him. And as soon as he lands, there's an army of these things trying to keep him from moving into Gadara. So I'm not focusing on the enemy. I'm just saying... Let's focus on the Word, and let's see biblical tactics and not be surprised by them, not be overwhelmed by them. You know, one of the principles of, of, of great warriors is they recognize certain things are going to be when you're about to take new territory. And when the enemy comes and tries to stop that, you shock and awe him. You, you just nail him. Because you're serving the Almighty God. Now, here we come to uh, something that, on this second page, that really stood out. And I think that it, it has to do with our nation. And it has to do with some of the things we're seeing in our nation. Um, the, the gathering we were going to have in, in West Virginia and Ohio was called the Ancient Wells. And we, we were ready, and we did teach on this, but it's not finished. We're going to be going up there, walking the land with them. But we're believing that God has put things in the deposits of the glory that he has reserved for this season, for this hour, for these days. And that's what's in the scripture. I mean, there are Things over and over and over again where God speaks of this. And so as I was looking and perusing through all of these olums, I discovered this second page here. And I think it's interesting that um, there are a lot, there are a lot, there's a lot of emphasis around the world right now in toppling monuments and toppling statues. And if, unless you've not been paying attention, uh, a whole lot of that has nothing to do with racism. It just doesn't. I mean, why would you topple Ulysses S. Grant, who, <laughs> who gave the South hell during the Civil War? Uh, and why would you topple that guy who, when he became president, sent federal troops in in a strong effort to destroy Nathan Bedford Forrest and the Ku Klux Klan? Why, why would you topple him? Why would, you, why would you deface the monument to Fabian's favorite movie, Colonel Gould up in Massachusetts in the, and the, and the African-American 54th? Why would you deface that? that? That should be celebrated. That should be celebrated. Why would you deface uh, a monument showing the great emancipator, Abram Lincoln, that was paid for by freed slaves and that Frederick Douglass dedicated. Why would you do that? So, and, and the list goes on.
But, but it, it, the, the, the idea is about monuments and the identity of the people. Last week we talked about uh, George Orwell's 1984 and the memory hole. That, that is an amazing, that's an amazing thing. And anytime Marxism is involved, that's what's going to be hit. But I want to look at these scriptures here where God says, you need to preserve Olam, landmarks, and a lot of different things. We'll look at them. Uh, the first one, Genesis 21, 33. Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba, which means a supply of water in the Shabbat, which means God has brought forth his ways, and this is where it is. And called there on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God, Olamel. Called on Yahweh, Olamel. And um, the thing is, is that Abram, Isaac had contesting over wells, Abram's son. But Abram talks to Abimelech here, and he says, you know what? You know, your people, your people really fought against us about a well. This was Abram. And you, they dealt with us grievously about a well of water. And Abimelech said, I didn't even know about this. I apologize. I want to be in league with you. And so upon that agreement where there was no more conflict, Abram planted a grove and, and um, tamarisk trees, and he, uh, he established this well, and he declared it as uh, dedicated to the everlasting God. And I think we're in a position where in this time in our, in our nation, God is, God is wanting to lay claim to his eternal dimensions and callings for this land that have not been revealed until this point. In God's everlasting nature, he is wanting to reveal certain things now, and part of how he's going to do it is our father Abram. He's going to bring restitution, and he's going to bring alignments between people of all colors who love and serve God. It's not going to be with, uh, initially with those who don't believe in God or who are anarchists or who really have a, a gospel of, of humanism. It's going to be from men and women from all over this country who are hungry for God. And there's going to be a coming together, and through that, there's going to be an opening of some of these ancient deposits of the Spirit. This is what happened with 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 Abraham, and, and I love that. Uh, and, and he lays claim to it on behalf of uh, Olam and the heart of God. Because, and this is why El is, is linked there. It's not, it's not written as, um, um, in a way like El Shaddai or, um, or, any, or, or the other recognized, more prominent names. But this is a descriptive of the heart of God and how if you know the heart of God and his ways, he's never going to stop. And he's going to continue to reveal things that have not been seen. And I love that. that that's, and I think that's, that's at the heart of who we as saints are. I don't like serving leftovers. I don't like fast food in the spirit realm. Uh, you know, and, and I love our message, and I recognize that so much of it is still new. I mean, I'm stunned sometimes when, I, when we go into nations and people are hearing 
elemental things that you and I shared decades ago. And for them, it's new, and they light up like a, like a bonfire. It, it, it's incredible to me. But there's something about the heart of God where, where when you're really in it, you want something new. In him, he's always wanting something new. He's wanting to take you into something new. That's part of this everlasting. And I, I, um, I, I just can't settle for the old, as wonderful as it is. You know, yesterday's meat is, is today's milk. And we need to keep pressing for there's always more in God. And so when we talk about the everlasting God and the things that he's hidden and the things that he's reserved and the things that are behind the veil of discovery, that's what our heart is. So forgive me for saying, I'm seeking this myself. I don't want a harlequin romance where I can read what somebody else wrote about what God's doing. I don't want that. I want to know him for myself. I don't want to just mouth what somebody else's hallmark expressions are. I want to experience them and enunciate them on behalf of the heart of God. That's that everlasting passion. And if you are talking about the God who's going to keep opening the veil, that's where we need to be honed in on like, a, like an arrow. And, and that's what we are. So let's look at Ezekiel 36, verses 1 and 2. We talk about the high places. Also, thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, saying, You mountains of Israel, hear the word of Yahweh. Thus says Yahweh Elohim, because the enemy hath said against you, Aha, even the Olim high places are ours in possession. The enemy recognizes this. The enemy wants to hold fast to the everlasting things. He wants the high places. And, and that's one of the beauties of the high place. Because when you get, and Fabian talked about the mountains today, and, and there have been others who've talked about going into, into vistas that are beautiful. Les talked about that last week. But when you're up there, there's just something about looking beyond what you've seen. The only, the only thing from there is up. The only thing from there is out. And the enemy, that's why he wants the high places. Because he wants to restrict our vision of what God wants to do. And so the enemy says to, through Ezekiel, our enemy has said, even the Olam high places are ours. Well, they're not. And the enemy, I think that's one of the things the enemy's trying to say today, and it has nothing to do with people groups. I mean, the focus on monuments and the focus on the identity of a people is what the enemy wants. And there's, there's a sign in this that the enemy's saying, I want to distract from what God is wanting to do in the high places, his monuments, his landmarks. And we're not going to let that happen, are we? We're not. Proverbs 22, verse 28. Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set, the Olam landmark. Let's look at Proverbs 23, 10. Remove not the Olam landmark 
and enter not into the field of the fatherless. Why is there that connection? Because if you're really following after the depth of what God is revealing, which we must be, we're not going to surrender the foundation upon which we've built to this point. And what we should be doing is to the fatherless, the everlasting ob, we should be drawing them to say, come and take hold of the, of the, of the hem, of the garment. What's the enemy trying to do in our day? You see people that are, are, are out there, um, and I don't want to get, I, I, it's hard to talk about these things you see without people saying you're political. But there's a lot of folks out there that are hopeless. There's a lot of folks out there that are fatherless. There's a lot of folks out there who are destitute. And they're, they're out there following something that is really not going to provide for them. And so the enemy wants to take down the ancient monument or, or what it represents and captivate the fatherless. What God wants to do is touch the ancient place, bring forth the revelation of what God's doing, and bring those fatherless ones into the kingdom. See, I don't want to take away what they have. I want to give them what they need. Amen? So this is, this is very interesting. Look at Amos 9.11. In that day will I raise up the tabernacle of David that is fallen and close up the breaches thereof. This is Peretz. This is Peretz. I will raise up his ruins and I will build it as in the days of Olam. Wow. The ruins. I'm going to raise up the Olam. We need to stand in this gap, not tear it down. We need to stand in this gap and say, Thus says the Lord, let the Spirit of the Lord come. And not just say, enemy, ole. The enemy doesn't want there to be someone standing in the gap. He wants to defund the gap. That's what he wants. He wants to defund you standing there. He wants to be able to do whatever he wants to do. And that's a sign that we're seeing. Lawlessness is a curse. The man of lawlessness is coming. He's already scouting out the neighborhood. And that's what the scripture speaks about over and over again. Anomia, lawlessness, lawlessness. Law the man of wickedness is the man of lawlessness. But we say we are, we are the tabernacle of David in this Gentile church. We're going to stand in the gap. And we're going to raise up those things that have been torn down. Yeah, ruins, you don't, you don't want ruins. You want new things. You want good things. You want the, you want the things that God has ordained. And we're going to build it in accordance with Olam. We're going to build it in accordance with what God has ordained from the foundation of the world and what has not been seen yet. The veil is being opened, and it's, it's, it's going to be marvelous. Isaiah 61.4, They shall build the Olam wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. They will repair the waste cities. The desolations of many generations. That is a word. We should memorize that and declare it. We want people to be what God wants them to be. We want them to thrive. We want them to walk with God and be blessed. 
We want their identity to be founded in him. We don't want them to be in desolation. We don't want them to be in destruction. We don't want them to be in ruin. We want them to align with Olam, with the God who has wonderful things in store for them. That's part of our mission as we stand in the gap. Jeremiah 6, verses 16 and 17. Thus says the Lord, Stand ye in the ways and see, and ask for the old paths, the Olam paths. Path there just means a way. Where it, not Derek, but the way. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and you shall find rest for your souls. But they said, We will not walk therein. I have set a watchman over you, saying, Hearken to the sound of the trumpet. But they said, We will not hearken. Listen, the watchman has to stay faithful. We have to stand in the gap. We need to prepare the way of the Lord. And we have to understand that when we do this, there will be those who say, we're not walking therein. And there will be those who say, we're not listening to you. We have to be faithful. Why? Because we're serving the eternal God. These are his things that he wants to do. These are his things that he has pre pre prepared. And... Um, We've been trained for this moment. We just have to keep the right perspective and be faithful in prayer. Be faithful in prayer. Hallelujah. Whew. Let's look at page 3. Psalm 48, verse 14. For this God is our God, for Olam and Olam. He will be our guide even unto death. The ways of God, that double issuance, that intimate relationship with his eternal ways. God's guiding us. Elohim is guiding us. His heart is guiding us. And it should be that way for as long as we live on this earth. He's not done with you yet. Do you know that? He's not done with you yet. He's not done with me yet. And hasn't that been something the enemy's tried to say to just about all of us? Well, you know, maybe it's time for it to end. You've, you've had a good run. I mean, but, you know, it's just, just over. That's what the enemy says. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I know some of you, uh, I, I know how much the enemy hates you and how much God loves you, and that's the main thing. Don't listen to that. It's appointed unto you when death is going to come or the catching away is going to come. And God is still guiding you. The, the eternal ways are guiding you. And we need every generation to be calling together unto God. And this is a wonderful thing. Now, I saved this last passage, and I'm not going to read it all. It's there for you. But this is, this is the Olam chapter. Um, Psalm 136, verse 26, 1 through 26. Every one of these verses ends with his chesed olam. Every one of these verses. And it talks about how God is the God of gods and talks about his wisdom. It talks about his light. It talks about how God delivered his people. It talks about how God destroyed uh, the kings that stood against God's plan. It talks about how God remembers us and, 
It, it, it just goes through everything, but every one of them says that the chesed, or that commune with God, in, it, before the angels, and before the throne, that commune with him is connected with this everlasting dimension of who God is. It's all about you knowing God in his heart and in his plan. It's all about you walking with him in the journey. It's all about you being ready to discern the moment, but knowing that God means what he has already said. You are not off course. Stand firmly as a watchman. Stand and believe for the good things that God is going to do, that he's already doing. And so his mercy endures forever. He is your guide forever. And all of these ancient things, they, they, it's a sign in this nation. As I see this happen, I, I have to say with every one of them, after incredulity rises up as an historian, I, I say, God, this is the enemy trying to do prophetic acts to stop the ancient wells. This is the enemy trying to get people to, to destroy heritage. Now, some things need to go away. I don't need to go down a list. Some things do need to go away. I mean, there, there's no reason to have uh, Nathan Bedford Forrest statues. I mean, he was a terror as a cavalry commander in the Civil War, but he also started the KKK. That does not need to be there. That needs to go. It needs to be burned and made into tiny crosses for people to carry, you know? And there are things like that that any normal person would say, that should have never happened in any way. If Lincoln hadn't been assassinated, none of that stuff would have happened. You got that drunkard Andrew Johnson that took over and just basically rolled over and let people do whatever they wanted to do and defeated territories. And once that happened, <laughs> we're still paying the price for it. So that kind of thing, get rid of it. But the thing about it is that this is larger. And, and I think that there's a prophetic sign in it that God has put landmarks and God has put pathways and God has put wells of living water and God has put deposits of the glory. God has put his high places in motion. God has put his ancient altars. God has put his plan for every city. God has put his plan for every person. Those things are foundational and we will not let the enemy take them. God has ordained them for a mighty outpouring of his spirit. And that's what we need to be seeing. And that's what we as saints need to be laying claim to as intercessors. Amen? And so I believe that there was a, a very strong prophetic reason that, um, that this, uh, as soon as this, um, this request came to me from a sister that we all know and love, that it was more than a request. It triggered something for the, ancient, for the ancient ways that God is moving in this hour. And I think it's another wonderful beauty of it is that it came from an African-American woman. That was a prophetic word coming from our brothers and sisters who we love so dearly. And, and I, I, I declare it over this nation 
And I declare it over the nations uh, where, where the saints are calling upon the Lord and those that are opening. God's ways are eternal. There are things that we've not even begun to see that God is wanting to do and that God is going to do. And this is what we're partnering with him to bring about as intercessors. So as troubling as some of the machinations of people that, uh, that are just have other agendas, as troubling as that can be when you see it, we need to look through it and say, what is God wanting to do? And get a hold of that and make that prophetic word uh, be, be upon your lips from your heart. And those words will not return void. Everything begins with a voice. There was a lot of darkness when God spoke light in Genesis. And there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of darkness in our nation and in the world. Darkness is upon the face of the earth and gross darkness the people. But what? My light rises upon you. Let that light shine. Speak it. And know that the eternal God uh, is, is in control. And we are going to see the things he's promised, but beyond that, as we keep following him, his heart is going to lead us into some incredible times in his spirit. Amen? So I declare over our network, and I welcome that the spirit of the Lord would empower and inspire the saints to rise into a new level of intercession in, in cohesion with what our Lord Jesus is praying at this time. The will of the Father for us is in alignment to be the voice of the Spirit of God as saints on this earth. That's what Jesus is praying for. So as soon as we align with that, we're going to see incredible demonstrations of the power of God. It's for the Father's will. It's for His ancient ways. And, and I think that's one of the reasons that, that uh, we've just felt, we felt the depth of the Spirit of the Lord in, in wonderful outpourings. Uh, there were so many waves of that this morning. And you know, I don't want to pick on any one, but there were, there were at least, I don't know, more than a handful of times where you could just feel the wave of His Spirit. In fact, Lizzie sang about it once, about let it wash over me. And God, God is just here. And what, what is the, that calling card for? First of all, because he loves you. But it's that everlasting. It's that, it's that eternal. It's that I'm going to lead you into something that it, and I'm excited about. And I want to share it with you. I want you with me. Something you've never seen. That's what this is. And so as you feel that, not, with the knowledge of his word, press into the heart of God and say this to him. Father, show me what you want me to be proclaiming. Show me even exact phrases that you want me to prophetically speak. That's what we are. When God said he wanted to deliver uh, mankind, he sought for an intercessor and a paga influence, where that moment comes, and, and in that moment, it's not just to say, oh, it's so wonderful, even though it is. 
we should emerge from a Bagah moment with a word from our Father that we then represent and declare. Moments aren't just for a great time. Moments in partnership with God have significance. And so we, we, we're in that time frame. So look up. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons, one of the benefits is God's taken us to our individual prayer closets. This seclusion has been a blessing. And I know for some people who struggle with loneliness, you've had some issues, but, um, and that, nobody in here, but um, you need to tap into what that really is and find that secret place in God and let him fill that. I think God has been trying to refine us in deeper ways to expand us, but there are great things happening. So expect the everlasting God to make himself so known to you and tap into that excitement that you feel in his heart because beyond the veil of debut, of divine debut, is something that we can feel but we've not seen yet. It's coming. All of the nonsense the enemy's trying to do to hijack what the Spirit of the Lord wants, we need to break through that. That's nonsense. And we need to, we need to be moved upon by what our God is saying. Amen? Father, I proclaim goodness and life and health and provision over every one of our people here at the Father's Church our extended congregation who we love dearly. God bless them as well. To our Saints Network colleagues and family members in churches and in prayer groups and those who are manning outposts as voices of one crying in the wilderness, of one crying in the wilderness, release that blessing to them as well. And to all of those that you have ordained to come alongside and join in this great army of saints, Bless them and lead them, lead them to the divine appointments that will align them with their eternal calling. Thank you for this, Father. And thank you for letting us be able to be here together today. And, I, and finally, we speak a, a, an outpouring of your spirit upon the dwelling house, Pastor Levester, all of those wonderful folks in that church, and particularly over Dion. We speak health and life into them. I break whatever kind of generational attack might try to come against them physically or in any other way, spiritually, and we sever it by the blood of Jesus and we, we instill the fullness of what God has ordained for each of them to be. We break sickness from off of them. We speak life and health and a special blessing upon Dion's life today and uh, upon that wonderful church. Lord, thank you. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it's just now 1230. <laughs> Rachel, should I keep going to one? Oh, she says yes. No, I'm done. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Pray for our nation today. And uh, God bless you all. Bye.